With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're missing these picks here, Bob. Blog Talk Radio. and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Mikey, it is night two of the NFL Draft. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Red vs. Blue Friday Night Football, wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your night. I'm Scott Atkins, team legacy in the world of high-stakes fantasy football, and as always, joined by the Big Blue co-host himself from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael Trent. Mike, please tell me you're watching the NFL Draft Night. This is an NFL Draft special show, man. Uh, I know that the Reds are down one to nothing. You're watching baseball. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, what we've well, come I mean, to. I mean, really, Scott, I I am really keeping up with the NFL draft. Uh, but why do I want to see Roger Goodell continue to uh, hug guys and this and that, uh, make a big production? Uh, the NFL draft is very important to this show and to what we're uh, what we're talking about. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, you know, it's kind of overblown. I'd say by Wednesday or Thursday, I can figure out exactly who I want, where I want them, and go from there. I'm going to ask you I'm gonna ask you a Mike Trent question. Do you think the hugs, okay. that Goodell, the, the hugs that Goodell gives in round one, are those genuine, or is that, uh, you know, just something that inherently is business for him? It's a business strategy. Oh, it's, it's all business. There's no, there's no doubt about it. I mean, this, this – this draft, for instance, uh, I heard uh, Ron Jaworski, when he was drafted, 
he was drafted. He got a call in his dorm room from from a person that didn't speak too much good English, and uh, you got a call from the Rams. At that time, it was the Los Angeles Rams. How many how many guys or people that are listening to this show remember the Rams being the Los Angeles Rams? So anyway, all this call from the guy says you've been drafted. I need you to show up in Missouri. I don't know how that figured into the, the equation. But anyway, Charles was talking about it, and that's the way he got drafted. But now, in this day and time, the draft is broken down. Every player, blah, 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 this and that. It gets so overwhelming that it's, and I, honestly, too much. All right. Well, a lot going on here at the uh, NFL draft. A lot of rookie picks are actually climbing in value. We always know that happens. Around this time, you have those rookie picks. You wait for for the draft to take place. The value changes dramatically. The player doesn't change. These are still the same guys that we looked at, and we said there's not a lot here compared to years past. But the situations are a little different, and I think a lot is kind of uh, people are thinking to themselves, is the value of my rookie picks just climbing? And we're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to get to the bottom of it. Uh, at least from the red versus blue perspective, you could take with it what you will. And we're going to ask uh, the new owner of BFD Fantasy, Joe Jefferson, is on with us tonight. We're going to talk to Joe. He's one of the high-stakes players, uh, ranked up there in the top uh, number two player overall last year, Mike, in the Fantasy Football World Championship. Almost took down the whole thing if it weren't for a guy named Matt Bailey of Natick, Massachusetts. Uh, Joe Jefferson would have been the Fantasy Football World Champion for 2012. Wow. So, Going to be fun to talk to Joe tonight, find out why he actually acquired BFD from our good friend Lou Tranquilli, and find out what his plans are for 2013. So he will be with us. Let's just get right to uh, this draft, Mike. Uh, obviously, the quarterback stock has been very uh, low this year on the uh, on the quarterback world. EJ Manuel, I think everybody was surprised a little bit by the Buffalo Bills selection of him at 116, the 16th pick in the first round. And that was the only quarterback love we had. Everybody was talking about Geno Smith and Matt Barkley and the seed from Syracuse. Manuel is the only quarterback drafted in the first round. We'll have to see if that works out for the Buffalo Bills, who have Kevin Cobb under center. More of a stopgap type of guy for Kevin Cobb. You should still see that Steve Johnson is kind of one of those mediocre wide receivers because he has a mediocre quarterback. If he had a really good quarterback, Steve Johnson would be one of those top 15 type wide receivers. I mean, he's your guy from Kentucky. What do you think? is going to go on there with this uh, E.J. Manuel, Kevin Cobb situation, or do you have an opinion? You Would you rather talk about Stevie Johnson, Mike? No, honestly, uh, I think uh, E.J. Manuel is going to be a work in progress. Uh, you know, I, I really appreciate Chris Landry's comments uh, that he made last night. The fact that uh, he he is a uh, Colin Kaepernick type of quarterback, except he has very little pocket presence. Uh, that's what I'm seeing out of E.J. Manuel. Uh so he's going to be a work in progress. It's going to take a little bit of time, and whether Buffalo, before they move to Toronto, can can handle that, uh, you know, that's going to be up to them. But I think I, I honestly think it's a pretty good pick. But I think they could have got him a lot lower. They probably could have traded down, and uh, you know, just went ahead and got. Uh, got an extra pick in the, you know, third, fourth round instead of going ahead and grabbing right then and there. 
Oh, good take, Mike. Yeah, you know, this E.J. Manuel thing will be he, – he had uh, definitely climbed up some boards. The Jets are on the clock right now, guys. The three, oh, God. Uh, round three, pick 72. The Jets are on the clock. And uh, the Jets had a uh, start. Obviously, they traded away Revis, uh, the guy that's making $15, 16000000 million for Tampa Bay. They, they, they bring in D. Milner. Mike, I renamed Revis, dude. My dog, you know, Revis, I, I, we renamed him Milner last night. It kind of goes like Wilbur, but it's Milner. Can you say Milner? I, I don't how's know. He, how's he, how does he respond to that, Scott? He loves it. He loves it. He's really embracing it. The whole family's oh, embracing it. No more Revis. Say goodbye to Revis. Say hello to Milner. The kid is pro-ready. I heard Bill Polian on uh, Mike and Mike this morning, and he was talking about how, look, he Saban has this guy ready at a pro level. He's going to immediately be able to plug in. He's no Revis. There's no Reven, Revis Island anymore, but it's a very good, <laughs> talented corner. The best, the most talented corner in the draft uh, goes to the New York Jets. They also spend a pick on a defensive tackle, Richardson, and they grab Geno Smith. This is an interesting pick for the Jets. I really wasn't expecting them to do it. I know they had talked about it. Uh, it's the end of uh, the days of Mark Sanchez. I, I expect Geno Smith to be the starter on day one. He comes from a spread offense, though. It's a shotgun offense. Is that coming to New York? I don't know if Rex Ryan is ready for that. They don't have the weapons. NFL.com compares Geno Smith to Aaron Brooks. Mike, do you remember that guy? Yeah, I sure do. I'm not real sure that I'm sold on Geno Smith. I don't think anybody is. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been sliding to yeah. the second round. Uh, but uh, this is uh, this is definitely an improvement over Mark Sanchez because we, we know what his upside is. We don't know what Geno Smith's upside is. We still have not seen Barkley. Uh, maybe he will end up going to Arizona eventually. Maybe Nasib uh, is still there. The quarterback class is weak. Let's just get the quarterbacks out of the way the first start of the show. The quarterback class is weak. Let's move on to the running back situation, Mike. If you haven't been paying attention – this is where things get interesting. If you have an early rookie pick, I think you were rewarded because a lot of times stud rookies and the best rookies in the draft don't end up going into favorable situations. Not true in 2013, Mike. You thought that Eddie Lacy was going to be the first running back off the board. That's not the case either, Mike. Not true at all. Giovanni Bernard, the fifth pick in the seventh round, the pick 37 overall, goes to the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Jets are on the clock, Mike. What do you think about the Bengals with a kid like Bernard? And we can talk about Bernard if uh, if you don't, but he's been compared to the D'Angelo Williams. He can catch the ball, though. Well, you know what? I Honestly, Scott, I'd, I'd rather go back to the Jets. Uh, I know they're on the clock. Uh, I want to go back to the Jets and their, and their pick. Uh, that pick wasn't, uh, you know, that wasn't Ryan's pick or anything like that. Uh, that was a pick from the organization. Ryan is in there for this is his last year, and he's done. I'm sorry. Finish through season. Uh, the Bengals, uh, you know, it's it's kind of interesting the way the Bengals are going about things because uh, they've got a lot of uh, tools in place as far as offensive line and defensive line that they want. Uh so they need to get a running back, a season, or a, uh, a a rookie running back that can fit into that. So I like that pick. Yeah, the Bernard Scott experiment was a a failure, pretty much. It never it never did happen. But uh, the Ben Jarvis Green Ellis experiment. Look, it, we know what you get with Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. You're going to get a, a touch, some touchdowns. You're going to get a solid contributor. You're not going to get a game changer. Giovanni Bernard. 
if he's, you know, look, he had the first torn ACL. He was redshirted in 2010, but the kid is elusive. And when you talk about throwing out comparisons to D'Angelo Williams, now you know you've got a playmaker that can break a big one. And he, like I said, I can't accent it enough. In fantasy terms, he can catch the ball. I think he's the number one undisputed uh, rookie pick uh, in rookie dynasty drafts. Closely behind Eddie Lacy, who fell into a really good situation in Green Bay, Mike. Uh, obviously, you know, some people might say that you're not going to get 20 to 25 carries in Green Bay, but I disagree. I think Green Bay, although they have Aaron Rodgers and all the weapons in the world you could possibly imagine, I think you remember when, when they had that uh, even an, a washed-up Cedric Benson at the end of his career, uh, the guy was getting carries and producing. Uh, and, and I think with an Eddie Lacy, he can get closer to the – 16, 18, and, and on on good days that where Green Bay's rolling, why not give it to Lacey and let him rumble? Uh, 4, yeah. 5, 40, uh, back to the number one pick, possibly. I like Bernard. I think I would take Eddie Lacey if I had a number two pick uh, in a rookie draft. And then I, I think I would consider Monty Ball. He fell into a very good situation in Denver, Mike. I think people would be very pleased with this pick. It's a really good fit, if you ask me. 55 touchdowns over the last two years, and he's drafted at the 26th pick in the second round, Mike. So Monty Ball, Eddie Lacy, G. Ronnie Bernard, I think they become the top three rookie picks in your dynasty draft. Yeah, you know, Scott, uh, all three of them, I do. Uh, you know, because you're going to need them uh, running back in, in, in desperate situations. Let's face it, the, the league has become a uh, wide receiver uh, heavy uh, type of league and a quarterback league when you're talking about uh, – Scoring points, but uh, Eddie Lacy, Green Bay. You know, if, if you go ahead and draft this guy, don't expect the uh, the production immediately right away. But it will be there because them Green Bay wide receivers. I mean, it just seems like they're shuttling in and out because there, there's going to be a time and place where those receivers are. There's not going to be that many of them. Well, and, and look, give uh, Eddie Lacy a chance to do what he needs to do and uh, have his fun. Uh, Money ball. I, I, I start. Are you kidding me? Denver is making all the right decisions, and I mean they're doing everything possible uh, to make themselves a winner, whether it's right now or even in three, four years down the road. So uh, I like what I'm seeing out of both those teams, Green Bay and Denver. Yeah, you you give a team like Denver weapons like Wes Welker and now Monty Ball. It'll be interesting to see how they use Monty Ball. Remember, no Sean Moreno. Did get a lot of carries there. They kind of made him the bell cow uh, when uh, they had injuries to Willis McGahee, and you do have the young Ronnie Hillman, but they feature, they look at him as more of a scat. I'm really regretting the Hillman for Shane Vereen. I, I dealt Shane Vereen to uh, our good uh, our good friend Michael Bronte in the 1250 FFPC Dynasty for uh, for for uh, Ronnie Hillman. Uh, Shane Vereen for Ronnie Hillman. I'm very upset about that. I was upset before the draft. I'm even up, more upset now. I really liked Shane Vereen. I don't know what I was thinking. I just kind of got weak there and just uh, made a play at it. Didn't work out. Uh, I think you'll see Monty Ball be the lead back in that situation. In a matter of, uh, you know, by the end of the year, I think this will be your ball carry. I don't know about day one. They are kind of a crowded backfield right now. You, you'll kind of let McGahee kind of dwindle out his career there. And then, uh, look, you've got uh, you've got Hillman and you've got a Monty Ball combo Running backs uh, early on for the Denver Broncos uh, the last two years, so that's that's interesting to see. We're talking about running backs, and well, I'll finish up with Le'Veon Bell to see this slow lumbering back go to the Steelers. Possibly that that puts the death toll on that Ahmad Bradshaw pick. 
I'm not real sure. I mean, you do need a Bradshaw to compliment a Bell because Bell's such a lumbering, sluggish type back, 4-6 combine numbers at Michigan State. He almost reminds me of another Jonathan Dwyer who you already have on the team. He's 6-1, 230, so it doesn't do a lot for me. Uh, so you've got these backs, then you've got a Christine Michael that went to C- Seattle. Again, that kind of uh, you know puts a damper on his value as well. Uh, early on, at least, uh, you know, he's a good, talented back, but I don't see anything coming out of him very early. But, Mike, we're talking about running backs, but to be honest with you, the wide receivers were more talented. They have been all, all you know, all this uh, last couple of months. We've been talking about the wide receivers that were going to be drafted. But but still, in dynasty rookie drafts, running backs are always more coveted. They're harder to get. The question is, can you turn down that running back that you know is going to contribute for a wide receiver who, let's face it, at the end of the day, wide receiver is a little bit more of a crapshoot. So you're asking yourself, what is Tavon Austin bringing to the table? Uh, how good is he? Is he uh, at the level that we can expect a Deshaun Jackson-type breakout year? You know, when Deshaun broke out and Eddie Royal broke out, is he going to break out with those types of numbers? He can. He possibly could. He's going to fulfill that Wes Welker-type role, the Percy Harvin, Randall Cobb-type role for the Rams. He can do it all. So the question is, if he's an 80-catch guy, how many touchdowns is, is this guy going to get for the Rams offense, right? I mean, Gibbons is a right. deep threat. Well, Austin is the underneath guy that works his magic. Is he more valuable than a running back on one of those top three? And I think that I have to say, man, I love the kid. I think he's great. But I, the appeal and the value of that dynasty running back is so powerful. I think you take the running back. And if you change your mind in a, here in a little bit, I bet the the owner that drafts Austin will be willing to take Lacey, Bernard, or Ball off your hands. Ball's the question mark there. The, the question is Ball, the number three rookie running, the, the the number three overall rookie pick. That'll be the question where I where I start to see Ball and Austin kind of in a teeter totter match. So, uh, you know, I got I, I love Lacey, I love Ball, and there's going to be a lot of uh, wide receivers that are they're they're going to be uh, very well respected and. Very draft, drafted very high in uh, in a lot of leagues this year, um, especially in dynasty. Uh, if you're talking redraft, uh, I really think there's going to be uh, a resurgence of Chris Johnson. Yeah. Because the, the Tennessee Titans, their offensive line just got bolstered by two big guys that are going to help a ton. Well, Not you- to mention Sean Green is going to spell Chris Johnson a little bit. I don't dis I don't disagree with you not to change the subject. I'm going to go back to the draft though. DeAndre Hopkins for Houston, Mike. They finally got themselves a wide receiver. DeAndre Hopkins. Houston needs a wide receiver to complement Andre Johnson and an heir apparent. Uh, there's a lot of love for the nuke, and we talked about him over the last couple of weeks. We're not going to rehash that. You don't need me to do a scouting review here. I'm not that guy, but I, I do like his upside. I think he's right up there near the top of this uh, draft board. And then the Vikings gave up the farm to the Patriots for Cordero Patterson, who likely has the most upside of any wide receiver in this draft. It's just a little bit more raw and a little bit more unproven. You also have Justin Hunter that went to the Titans. That'll be an interesting situation because Hunter is a very talented wide receiver. We do like him. We heard Jules McClain on the podcast last week. They gave her sleeper wide receiver in Kendall Wright. It is an April sleeper pick, so just don't hold her to it. But it is her pick for April, Kendall Wright. And then Robert Woods to Buffalo, Aaron Dobson to New England. We don't really have time to, to, to get into those guys today. We will finish up with the tight ends. Tyler Eifert went to the Bengals, the talented uh, Notre Dame tight end that we absolutely love in the FFPC formats. I think you have to think about him in the 
uh, 6-7-8 range for Eifert. I think you can't let him slip much further than that. Zach Ertz to the Eagles, very interesting pick because a lot of people put him on up there with a, a value close to Eifert and in a, in a Chip Kelly offense. That's going to be interesting to see how they utilize uh, Brent Selleck and a Zach Ertz. And then Escobar to Dallas, Mike. This might be the writing on the wall for Jason Witten, who's going to be in his twilight years here the next two or three years. Uh, they're they're looking at in the you know replacing him and Escobar is a talented tight end pass catching tight end that they're going to be able to use so it's been a very interesting draft we're going to start to figure out and flush out over this next week our first round pick we'll do that next Friday night tonight Mike Joe Jefferson is our guest from BFD Fantasy I do see that he is on the switchboard so I'm going to go ahead and bring him in right now Joe Jefferson welcome to Red versus Blue hey Scott real pleasure to be here thanks for having me on tonight Mike how you doing Hey, pretty good, Joe. Glad to have you, bub. Awesome. Been a long-time listener. First-time caller. I love it. <laughs> I always wanted to say that. Long-time listener. <laughs> yeah, that was my first shot to ever say that. So. It sounded good, Joe. Absolutely. I'm sorry, Mike, what would you say? What would you say, Mike? I said it sounded good, Joe. I mean, oh. uh, we're, looking, we're looking forward to uh, your insight and what you have to bring to the table. All right. Well, it's real early in the season, you know. It's uh, but what an exciting time, you know. Draft time, uh, uh, new changes to the depth chart, new paradigms, new season. Really exciting time. Joe Jefferson is our guest. Uh, the Global Player Index that Emil Cadlick pioneered and worked on. It's the high stakes manager rankings, the high stakes player profiles. He's got you ranked 45 in the country as far as high-stakes experience. And that's, that's, that's pretty darn good considering we've got thousands of people on that list that have played high-stakes over 11 years, Joe. And you've been there uh, for, for quite a while. I think you finished, You started in uh, – we have records all the way back to 2003. If you have deeper records than that, uh, 2003 for WCOF, 2006 for WCOF, and then uh, things really started heating up for you. You really started getting busy. 2009, 2010, 2011, you started playing a lot of main events. So talk to us a little bit about your background, and then what led you to purchase and acquire BFDFantasy.com? Yeah, sure. Well, uh, you know, I've been a long-time fantasy player. I, you know, gosh, I, I was just trying to think back to when I started playing fantasy football. I think I was in grade school in the early 90s playing in mail-in leagues. I, re- I recall that um, you would have to, you know, this was before people were online, and yeah. – uh, you would have to make your lineup decisions, I think, by Wednesday of that week and mail yes, it sir. in and, uh, for who you were going to play on Sunday. And, uh, you know, I, I recall, um, uh, you know, there was we were only playing for pride. There was no real pride. I think there was a trophy. And, uh, uh, you know, I recall most of the guys were in New York City, and I would call and talk, talk trade with them for hours, and my parents were so pissed I would run up the, uh, the, uh, the bill. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, I've been playing for so long, like you said, and, you know, even prior to some of these high-stakes contests, playing in games that are probably aren't even around in, you know, salary cap type of games. Um, like you said, I kind of uh, had some early success in local leagues and those salary type of games and uh, parlayed that into some uh, more tournament-style high-stakes type of leagues and uh, had some early success there and was able to sort of parlay that. And, and I kept just kind of growing it. I figured, you know, if I make some money doing this, I'll – I'll sock it away and and uh, and keep playing. And uh, you know, I, I've uh, been really fortunate to to um, have some skill, but a little a lot of luck involved, and uh, and uh, put me in in good situations. 
Joe, as I look at your your player profile here, and again, I I, I don't know if you've uh, looked taken a look at this or not, but uh, for, from what this says, in 2008 at FFPC, you finished number two overall in the main event. Four years later, you played in the first ever FFWC and finished number two. So it's interesting. In the first year of FFPC and in the first year of FFWC, you finished number two overall. How's that feel? Yeah, isn't that wild? I, uh, you know, it, it feels really good. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I'm, a, you know, just a little bit away from winning some substantial cash. So, uh, you know, in the first year of the FFPC, if I would have started, who was it, Vishante Shenko over Dustin Keller in Week 16, I don't want it. In uh, the the New World Championship, uh, if I would have started James Jones over Josh, Josh Gordon in Week 15, I don't want it. <laughs> so I carry those kind of start-sit decisions with me. Uh, not that I feel like I made the wrong decision or that it, you know, irks me too much, but, uh, you know, you do recall that. And um, you know, I will say I was fortunate to play in the first year where there's probably not quite as many entries um, as there are now, so it gives you a much better shot to uh, to win it. So I've had some luck with some new games. So you absolutely have. I see a sixth place finish there overall in the NBC, and if I'm if I'm reading this right, you played in six of those leagues last year. So you're 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 you're, you're obviously all over the high stakes game. And BFD Fantasy is known as a high-stakes, reputable source. It's a high-stakes opinion pioneered by Lou Tranquilli, uh, one of the better high-stakes players in the world. And, and, and here comes an opportunity to do something new uh, with BFD Fantasy. And somehow or another, this deal comes together, and all of a sudden, Joe Jefferson, you, you, you're now the, uh, one of the principals here, or the principal at BFD Fantasy. Yeah. Pretty wild. Uh, you know, about 10 years ago, I recall speaking with Lou. Him and I played, you know, years against each other uh, in tons of leagues, and uh, you, Scott, as well. And, and uh, so I kind of just knew him from playing through leagues, and uh, we were both stockbrokers at the time. I was a broker at Morgan Stanley. He was a broker out east. And I remember sitting in my cube and, and talking with him about 10 years ago, um, you know, and he was telling me he wanted to start an informational site. And back then, you know, I was more interested in the games and, and – um, you know, maybe starting some sort of a game or something. And uh, and so I've seen Lou sort of push this forward and run with it, and I was always kind of uh, in the back of my mind thinking to myself, oh, man, I wish I would have um, gotten on board with him back then. And, you know, he's doing some good things. And, you know, I'd been a subscriber for years. Uh, um, you know, like you said, I saw some value in what Lou was doing, with the, uh, particularly with some of the things, the coaching tree I thought was really substantial. Uh, draft reviews were huge. And, um, you know, obviously his player rankings and free agents, he's made some great calls. And so, you know, I was just kind of, uh, um, uh, you know, a Lou follower, if you will, for years. And, um, you know, I thought that it really provided some value and helped me to win some of the leagues I did. And, um, you know, this last year, Lou uh, works with a broker-dealer who uh, did not want him to own the site anymore. And uh, that opportunity sort of presented itself, and I thought, well, here's a chance to uh, not kick myself for not, uh, or I'm sorry, to um, get out of kicking myself for uh, not doing yeah. this years ago and a real opportunity to get in. And, uh, you know, I look at it, even though Lou doesn't own it anymore, as a real partnership with Lou. Um, you know, I think that Lou has provided so much value to the players and the subscribers know him so well. Uh, you know, it was really necessary to get him on board. And, uh, you know, so it really, really fortunate the way it worked out because, 
uh, Lou is going to remain exclusive with BFD and uh, will provide all of the content that he's provided that subscribers have known and loved over the years. And um, you know, I think I can help sort of improve the site and also provide some uh, different types of content. So, you know, for the subscribers out there, I think they're getting the best of both worlds in that they got what they used to, and they'll get a little bit more. So, well, that, you know, Joe, uh, just to interject, that, that's awesome, man. I mean, you sound great. Uh, you you got a lot of things going uh, in your direction for the BFD fantasy, and. Uh, you know, it, it's great that you can carry on that uh, great uh, camaraderie with Lou. Keep that going and, you know, just move forward. Uh, uh, what, what's the biggest challenge that you've had, uh, you know, moving forward since you've taken over? Uh, what's the biggest challenge that you've had with the players uh, or anything uh, that you can give some insight to? The biggest challenge that you've had so far? Yeah, you know, uh, just taking over the site logistically, I'm not a, a technology kind of guy, and so finding the right fit has been a little bit problematic. I've owned the site for over a month now and have not improved the site yet, uh, which has been a frustration of mine. But uh, I do have some uh, sort of significant plans to improve the aesthetics as well as the functionality of the site. Um, you know, if you've been a, m a member in the past, uh, the, the site map could use some work, and you know, you've got to download some content for the rankings rather than just clicking on it and having it displayed. And so those are the things I'm working on now, and those have been a little bit of a challenge for me. But, uh, you know, I really don't mind it. it. It really, you know, fantasy football is a passion and a hobby of mine, and, and you know, this really is fun. And, and you know, the, the goal of BFD is to win certainly first, but number two is to have fun and, and uh, with, with people in the community and, uh, and Lou being sort of my partner there. Um, you know, we, we've got a pretty good presence on Facebook, and we try to have some, you know, discussions about what's going on in the draft and what's going on in the NFL and free agency. Um, so, you know, even though it is it is work and, and obviously a business for me, um, you know, it, it, it's secondary to my, my sort of normal work, and, and it really is a passion. Labor of love. Joe Jefferson is the guest of BF, uh, from BFDFantasy.com. Uh, Joe, I think we uh, we we obviously got together uh, and drafted in leagues back in the Ant Sports days. I remember the quick six. That's right. And, and I always used to cuss at you for taking so long on the clock. And uh, <laughs> you know, Alex and I we were both playing in those leagues, and we'd always see quick six on there. But you took your time. You were a busy guy, and you had a lot going on. But you played in a lot of leagues. I I automatically knew that because every time I signed up for a league, there you were. And I'm like, man, <laughs> everywhere I go, this guy is is, is playing. And, and uh, so we kind of got our start there in the high-stakes uh, leagues, and then we are also playing against each other in one of the FFPC dynasties, the 1250. And this is uh, – I've got to make a, a quick dynasty announcement here. We have 24 teams left that are waiting on their draft slots patiently uh, for the Dynasty Football World Championship. Uh, so I need to get these out real quick. I'm going to start with the 12 picks, Joe. Awesome. Uh, yeah, we've got 24 teams still waiting. 120 teams have already gotten their dynasty pa uh, dynasty draft slots, so they're waiting. Wow. Uh, for each 24 guys, these signed up. It was a quick sellout, so it's going to be a fun contest this year at a 2.99 price point. Wow. The 12 picks are Avery Beck and David O'Neill. The 11 picks are Frank Smith and Jonathan Hartness. The 10 picks are Jonas Berg and Michael Reardon. The nine picks are John Martellan and a guy by the name of Emil Ribovic. Uh, another Emil shows up. That's interesting. We've never had a, never met another Emil besides our, our good buddy Emil Cadlick. 
from Football Diehards. The number eight seeds are Kirk Gibson and Nick Glenos. Those are the eight draft picks. The number seven draft spots are Nick Zapponi and Cody Thompson. The six picks, Mark Porwit, William Del Pilar. If you have not heard your name, you have a top five selection in the Dynasty Football World Championship. We talked about this last that's week. That's where you, you want to be, I would guess, Scott, right? Top five. Yeah, we've talked about it. Yeah, you know, there's some good players in the top five, but we feel like there's a fall-off and a drop-off at about the pick 17 or 18 pick of the second round. So it's like, do you want the one good guy early, and the real elite guy, or do you want to get the two guys like a Des Bryant, Julio Jones type of those, you know, the, around the turns there? So very interesting to see how this works out. Uh, Where did I leave off? Last week I left off the sevens here. Hold on. Uh, the sixes I just read, Mark Porwit, William Del Pilar. The five picks are James Brimacombe and Richard Cook. The four picks are David Chu and, Mike, you know this guy, Ralph Berryman. The three picks are Rich McClellan, Roger Gonzalez, and Donald Thompson. The two picks are Jason Brown and Michael Bernard. And the number one picks, if you have not heard your name, Mike Weber and Jeff Antley. So those are the 24 picks in the Dynasty Football World Championship the final 24 spots that will be competing. One of these teams, of these 144, will be crowned the first dynasty king of fantasy football. So fun contest. You guys, we will post those draft slots. Thank you for being part of that and supporting the first dynasty football world championship. Good thanks for that, man. I really feel good about that contest, the fact that it was embraced and supported. Our good friends from DynastyLeagueFootball.com are helping to promote and, and support the contest. We do have some... Uh, giveaways to give away tonight, the DLF uh, the DLF uh, giveaways that we have, the year-long premium subscriptions. And so we're going to have a little bit of trivia later, but we're first going to go to the Denver Broncos. Uh, Joe Jefferson has a nice little insight on the Denver Broncos. Being from the area, Joe, we thought we would pick your brain on the Denver Broncos because, look, let's face it, this is going to be fantasy nirvana uh, for fantasy players in Denver you guys really have put a lot together. So we're going to look at the quarterback, running back, and wide receiver positions. I'm real interested to see where does Peyton Manning fit in here uh, after such a dominant first year coming back off injury, putting up over 40 touchdowns. I feel like people would be happy if you got him in the fifth round. Would you be happy? And do you think he's worth more than that? Well, you know, I think the the paradigm on quarterbacks, first of all, has changed so much from just one season ago. Um, you know, I think that last year you were seeing lots of quarterbacks go a little bit heavy on the top uh, at the beginning of drafts, and I just don't think you're going to see that quite this year with as many quality options as they are. Uh, you know, at BFD, we've always been kind of a proponent of waiting on quarterbacks. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that you'll, you'll see some of these, you know, it, second-tier guys sort of push off past that fifth round. You'll, you'll see them later, um, I think. Um, but I do think Peyton fits into that equation as, as one of the elite quarterbacks. I mean, if you're looking at, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, I think Peyton's in that in that tier. Um, you know, I think last year, as, as remarkable as he was, um, you know, I, I think I noticed some arm strength issues, and um, I, I think that those will only improve with some time and, and some additional weapons. Uh, Wes Welker is huge because he opens up some underneath type of uh, patterns that um, that uh, I think will be really successful for Peyton. Um, so, 
you know, I, I think he's in that 40 touchdown realm again, um, you know, barring injury. Uh, we have a little trivia contest going on in the chat room now that we just uh, we just posted. The Peyton Manning situation, he was the fifth-ranked quarterback overall last year, scoring 372 fantasy points. That's a ridiculous number. To think that he outperformed the Matt Ryans, the Matt Staffords uh, of the world, and the Eli Mannings, uh, to come back after that kind of an injury and outperform, and, and to only be topped by Rodgers, Breeze, Brady, and Newton, he's back. Let's face it, he's back. Now let's move this to the – uh, I want to I want to real quick before we go to the wide receiver position, a little trivia question here for a free DLF giveaway. I said, guess how many water bottles are on my desk today? And uh, I don't know how you did this, IPS driver. Guess six. And I and I did this little uh, little head count turn, and and there's actually six water bottles on my desk. I don't know. <laughs> the very first guess, uh, I need a drive, an IPS driver, I need a Jag. The very first guess. And then Brothers Mayhem chimes in. None. You better have beer. Mike, you like that, right? Uh, Jason Duvall with a fun one there. So, uh, IPS driver, you are the winner of a DLF premium subscription. We gave away several last week. Congratulations. Send me your info to scott at fftoolbox.com after the show. We'll get you hooked up with that DLF premium subscription for all your Dynasty uh, cravings. All right, Joe, back to the Denver situation. This wide receiver is going to be very interesting to see. Uh, not only are these dynasty-type uh, wide receivers relevant, uh, I mean, some people have Demarius Thomas in their top five dynasty. He could be top five redraft. He was last year with Peyton Manning. Uh, then you had Eric Decker, who was a top ten wide receiver at number nine. And you throw in a Wes Welker, who was the number seven ranked wide receiver in the draft. So something's got to give here, Joe. There's no way an offense can support three top ten wide receivers. So you tell me, Demarius was at five. Welker was at seven and Eric Decker was at nine. Tell me how those those you know those rankings at the end of the year are going to look after 2013. I know it's April. I'm not going to hold you. <laughs> but what do you think? Well, let me see how my crystal balls working. But you know, my thought is that all of them have got to come down a little bit. Um, you know, I think you're looking at three just very steady options, even Decker included. You know, I think some people are thinking Decker is going to be totally on the outs and and. Uh, you know, I think that he'll still have pretty substantial role in the offense. And, you know, I think the, the thing that you got to think about is if, if Peyton Manning is going to throw 40 touchdowns, um, Decker is going to get 10 at least. And, um, you know, Wes Welker, you know, is not the goal line threat um, that uh, yeah. that even Decker can be and certainly not what Demarius Thomas can be. Um, so, you know, I, I think my answer is all of them have got to come down slightly. But I think that all three of them would be steady options, particularly Welker and Decker. Um, uh, I'm sorry, Welker and Thomas. Uh, with um, you know, but there still may be some real value on Decker. Um, is my thought. Well, let's break but this no, down. Uh, Go ahead, Mike. Real, real quick, uh, is there is there going to be any uh, any future for a uh, tight end possibility uh, if you're uh, wanting to draft? You know, because it's going to be a wide open offense. Let's face it. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I don't think that leaves a ton for the tight end. I think we saw some, you know, underutilization there last year. Uh, you know, we don't have a significant, uh, um, you know, we didn't have on the field last year a significant, very dynamic player uh, who could make huge plays. It was more of kind of an underneath, kind of a check down, kind of an option. Um, 
And, you know, I think if you see a tight end significantly emerge, he could be substantial. But, you know, if it's a split like we saw last year between Tammy and Driesen, um, you know, neither one was mounted to too much as far as a, a fantasy stud. Yep. Good deal. Thanks, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got questions in the chat room. Wayne Ellis is saying, where does Jonathan Franklin go? Uh, I, I, like I said, I, I kind of like the Colts. If, if he were to go to the Colts, I think that offense would be just really – take the next step forward. But I also think that St. Louis, look, they're still sitting there. They haven't done anything about the running back position. What do you think, Joe, uh, just off the cuff here? I know this is just kind of unscripted, but, you know, Daryl Richardson and Isaiah P., do you see a starting fantasy running back there? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I have the answer for you there. Um, you tell me. What do you think? I'll, I'll chime in if I've got some thoughts. Well, you know, I mean, look, uh, Pete had a lot of um, <clears throat> love coming out of Cincinnati in the Big East. He was a very talented running back, kind of did it all. And then Daryl Richardson, this kid is kind of the, uh, you know, the the, the sort of the, the – Yeah, the, I, I, you know, now that I think about it, I really don't like Pete. Yeah, you know, that's what everybody – that's what everybody's saying now. <laughs> but now that he's getting a little bit of uh, – he's getting a little bit of love. But Richardson was the guy that got love last year. Everybody's saying – he could be well, he's kind of in that Jamal Charles clone, you know, where he he, does, he he's kind of in that mold. Yeah, you touch him and he falls over, though. I, I just, I don't know. I, I'd have to see something from him in, in, at this level to uh, feel comfortable with him. But, you know, everything I saw from him last year made me think that uh, he wasn't ready. I'm hearing some whispers that Pete has uh, got, got a little something uh, still in the tank. He's only a second-year guy, so we, we can't really expect everybody to break out in their rookie season. But no, I don't agree, but you'd, you'd at least like to see a little bit of flash. I mean, even compare him to a you know Ronnie Hillman that we've got in Denver. You know, I, I think even Ronnie Hillman's not quite ready for prime time, and uh, he's a step ahead of Pete in my mind. Hey guys, when uh, when when Gunnar Richardson was uh, or when Stephen Jackson was questionable at the beginning of the year last year, how much uh, how much money how much waiver money was put on Daryl Richardson? Yeah. Yeah, that, you know, and I, I, I don't know. I mean, in my mind, Richardson's kind of a guy until you get somebody else there. Yeah. It, was, it was a lot. I mean, everybody was pouring money into Daryl Richardson. I mean, that was that was their guy because they were so afraid that Stephen Jackson was going to get hurt. Yeah, but Jackson came through. Wayne, eighty three forty eight. Isaiah Peed or I P E A D is the best name in FF. <laughs> Uh, Brothers Mayhem got to think Denver lets McGahee, Moreno, or both go. So, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think that uh, you know McGahee's you know writings on the wall with this with this last pick that Denver just made. Uh, you know, Moreno and Hillman have probably got a chance to be that change of pace guy. Um, you know, I don't really know exactly what uh, um, the salary cap you know sort of situation is there, but uh, um, I would think that McGahee's. Uh, either looking at a significantly diminished role or getting out of town. Yeah. It, it seems like, the, like you said, the writing is on the wall. He's had a great career. You can't ask for much more from a guy that, no. that suffered that many injuries to continually come back and do very well and perform at a high level. And he was uh, great with him. And he was great with Tim Tebow when they, you know, when they ran that uh, option read, and it was kind of a power read rather than a speed read. It was a good fit. I just don't think it makes such a great fit with Peyton, where, you know, he's so stable in the pocket. You really need somebody to kind of press those edges a little bit, and I just, it's not uh, McGahee. How happy were you with Tebow? You're a big Bronco fan. How happy were you 
with Tebow. Now, but this is before Peyton, so don't just scratch that all all out of the equation. Like it never sure. existed. Sure. I mean, let's put it this way, beating the Steelers uh, the way we did and uh, going into the next season, I was ready to roll with Tim Tebow as our starting quarterback. Um, you know, thank goodness the, the Peyton situation came the way it did. It really, you know, from a PR standpoint, got us out of that situation and got us into, you know, a Hall of Famer. And, uh, you know, somebody who I had no doubt, even with the injury history, could have uh, significant success. Um, but, you know, that being said, I was ready to roll with Tim Tebow. Uh, you know, he's very different than, than others, but, um, you know, there's different ways to win, and I, I'm convinced of that. Um, I'm really surprised right now that uh, nobody wants to take a shot at him. You know, I know Jacksonville's come out publicly and said they don't want him, but, uh, you know, if I'm their owner and I'm trying to sell tickets, and I know he is, I mean, he signed up for London for several years, giving up home games. Um, why wouldn't you want to let him be your starting quarterback for a season or two uh, get the program a little healthier, and then replace him if you feel like you need to then. Well, because the media crucified him, and then, of course, the balls getting thrown into the dirt didn't help much, and how he looked in practice is pretty public, but I don't hey, know. Hey, you know, I, all I you can look at is all you can look at is he's a starting quarterback at, at, at uh, the beat the Steelers at home. Um, I, you know, in my mind, Everybody he deserves a shot. Saying the defense did it, Joe. You know as well as I do, they don't give Tebow any credit for that victory at all, and and look, I think at the end of the day, his confidence was shaken up by the Jets organization. You don't cut, bring in a guy and then you know have to sit and then get tore up by the, the the New York media. They basically crucified him, and at that point, you know, not to use that word, but you know, it was just really a, a just a kind of an unraveling of, of of sorts for the last year for Tim Tebow. And so, you know, I, you know, I happen. agree with that. I'm sure his confidence was shaken. I'm sure he didn't look very good in practice. He certain certainly didn't look very good in practices before we put him in. Um, but you know. That run he went on, there's something to be said, and you know, there's one thing certainly to be said, and that was it was darn entertaining. And uh, you know, if you're a team that's not competing for a Super Bowl, um, I don't know. That that seems like a solution to me if I'm Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah. I was I was thinking the same thing, Joe. I mean, Jacksonville is a perfect spot. Uh, you know, I don't want to go on this T-Bow rant because uh, you know it, it just seems like a it's an endless rant, but the guy's a winner when he's put in the right position. You know, it, it just depends. But uh, I, I really believe that Tim Tebow can uh, can be a winner, uh, can be a win- winning quarterback. It just depends on the position he's put in. Sure. I mean, could he win a Super Bowl? I don't know. But, you know, could he, no. could he, uh, could he be better than uh, Gabbert was? I, I think so. Let's go back can to this Peyton Manning uh, situation yeah. with these wide receivers. For a second, I want to figure out. I got to figure out for myself and for the listeners how this wide receiver situation is going to shake out. You're on this show. I can't let you off until we figure this out because (laughs) the uh, the look. Let's just let's just go back to Peyton Manning. Okay, this is how I always kind of do it in my head to try to figure out where they're going to go and how that how it's going to be distributed. You got 400 completions, 4,600 yards, and 37 touchdowns. Right. Yep. Now the running backs accounted for. 65 of those 400 last year. Now, that's pro- let's just assume that all stays the same, right? I mean, 65 out of the 400 what? Out of the out of the 400 uh, receptions. I see. Okay. 65 of the 400 receptions uh went to uh running backs in that in that system. So you just take 65 off the top, you're down to what? 335. Yep. 
you've got 335 balls to go around for the tight ends and wide receivers. And when you go to the tight ends, we pull that up. I had that down, and I just couldn't find it here. Let's go. Da, 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 da. Receptions for tight ends. You got Tammy. You got Dreesen. You got Green. All these guys. 50, 90, 100. 100 of those are going to tight ends. Okay. Could could fluctuate a little bit there because you've got a third wide receiver in. But let's just let's just say at the for the sake yeah, of yeah, I would guess I would guess that number is going to go down as far as number of tight end receivers. All right, so let's say that goes down to eighty. Okay. All right, so you've got one hundred and forty-five of the of the passes going to non-wide receivers. Now we're at two sixty-five for the th- for the for the whole cast of wide receivers. Okay. Two hundred sixty-five receptions to go around. And you still have a couple of guys, but let's say they get the lion's share of those balls, and there's hardly anything left for anybody else. You know, maybe we'll give 20 to other guys, so you're down to 245. Split those 245 receptions up for me. <laughs> um, boy, that's a good question. 94 for Demarius last year, and 85 for Decker. Well, I mean, you got to give the most to Welker. I would assume that he would lead the league, in, or I'm sorry, lead the team in receptions. Um. And then Decker, I'm sorry, and then Thomas and then Decker. Um, um, how many how many receptions did Decker and Thomas have last year? Uh, Decker, 94, and uh, or 85, and Demarius, 94. So they accounted for uh, 180 or so. Yeah, so if I've got to rank them, I'll take Welker, 1, Thomas, 2, and, uh, and Decker, 3, and number of receptions. And I don't think they'll be, you know, that far off. Call it 90, 80, 70. Who's the bigger touchdown threat out of those three? Mm, Thomas, Decker, then Welker. I, I thought that too, and then you look at the stats, and it says Decker scored 13 touchdowns to Thomas's 10. Yeah, you know, and um, I, I guess that kind of stems from, you know, last year, no question, Decker was the bigger um, uh, red zone threat and target. Uh, but I think that, um, you know, he's going to lose some of those looks. Um to Welker sort of under the knees, uh, whereas I think Thomas should be good for his 10. Um, you know, I will say going into last year, I uh, was lucky enough to hang around Peyton and, and Decker a little bit, and uh, they were joined at the hip, literally, and uh, didn't leave each other's side the entire time I saw them a couple hours. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, he's Peyton's boy, I will say that. Wayne in the chat room says Decker is the TD threat. Uh, then you have an IPS driver. Decker will drop in TDs. Uh, it, it seems like it's all over the board here. And, and is it is it ludicrous to believe that Peyton's numbers will actually go up this year? I mean, that's a very lofty number for last year. You think he could do better? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I didn't think he was physically dominant. I thought that he was, uh, you know, similar to uh, uh, Kurt Warner in his later years. He was just very efficient, knew where to get the ball out. You know, like I said, I, I didn't think he was very physically dominant at the line of scrimmage, um, and I think that he's got a chance to regain some of that strength and um, and be better this year. Um, you know, the, the one thing I will say to that is that you know we didn't have a running back taking up a lot of touchdowns or a ton of yardage, so if this rookie has a lot of success, that that could eat into production. Well, another thing, Joe uh, and Scott, is the fact that they're playing one of the worst. Uh, uh, defenses in that division, they got to play them twice. Yeah. So you know that just opens it up for uh, the entire offense. No, agreed. I think that's part of the reason why you're seeing such high numbers is uh, their division. 
Peyton did have 450 completions in 2010 before his final season in Indianapolis. So it's not a stretch to think that there's another 50 receptions to go around there. Not that they run the same offense, but when you're in Denver and Peyton Manning is the quarterback, you're running the same offense that you ran in Indianapolis. So, yeah, you know, I, I do think it, it has changed a little bit. Again, I just don't think he's as dominant as he was. And, and you know, I think that John Elway will want to try to alleviate some of that pressure on Peyton by getting a better run game going. And, um, you know, we just didn't quite get hit our stride in the run game like we would have liked to, I don't think. So, um, like I said, I think you'll probably see some increased production out of the Denver running backs. Joe Jefferson is our guest from BFD Fantasy. We're, we're putting Joe on the hook now. Uh, Jules McLean was on. You know Jules from Fantasy Freakin' Football. Sure, Jules. One of the best players in the world. It happens to be a female. Last week she gave us running back and wide receiver sleepers. So I'm going to just pose the question to you, Joe. I know it's April. I'm, I'm, I am putting you on the spot because I have you here. Uh, but, I, but I, you know, look, we understand it's April. So, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know that I've got a lot of sleepers here for you. Uh, you know, it's just so difficult, um, you know, relative to what the value is that uh, it's just difficult to, to name sleepers this early on. Um, you name some guys, I'll give you my thoughts on them, that's for sure. Well, we're not um, going to let you off the hook that easy. <laughs> running back and wide receiver sleeper. So I'm going to give you the option of running back and wide receiver sleeper, at one at each position, or quarterback and tight end sleeper. Hmm. All right, let's go quarterback and tight end. I'll take a look here. Let me pull up a little cheat sheet here and see who's down the list that I like. All right, so and we kind of did this with Jules, too. We we just said, look, at uh, quarterback, if you go quarterback, most people are going to unanimously say that Aaron Rodgers is the number one quarterback. After that, you have options. You've got Peyton, Breeze, Brady, or maybe one of the younger kids. Who would you put at number two after Rodgers? Well, and uh, it kind of also depends on your – well, I guess most formats. I would probably say uh, Breeze. I, I, I do think Breeze is probably my guy there. Um, and Brady and um, and Peyton uh, would probably round out my top four. Are you, um, draft, are you a draft quarterback early type guy this year, or are you going to wait because the value is going to be pretty I'm, deep? I'm, Definitely going to be waiting. Uh, you know, I see about 11 guys I would feel totally comfortable with and probably a whole another four or five that I think have got significant yeah, upside. You know, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, where does uh, where does a guy like Cam Newton fall? You know, I mean, where can you get uh, a guy like Cam Newton and just go right in there and get him? Yeah, I've uh, I've been riding the Cam Newton train for two seasons now as a rookie and then even last year. Um, so, you know, I'm open to, to, uh, taking cam again, if it's the right value, um, you know, and also obviously depends a lot, you know, on what type of format you're dealing with. You know, if you're playing in one of these NFFC leagues where six points per passing touchdown, you know, I think that significantly helps the, uh, the pocket passers, um, you know, that next tier of guys, the Matt Ryan's, the Matt Stafford's of the world, um, you know, versus if you're playing in, uh, the World Championships or the FFPC, where you can get six points for running and and um, and only four for passing. And in my mind, you know, I, I probably want RG three next if he's ready to go. Right, right, Joe. And, and another thing that uh, that you guys might want to think about is, you know, it's it's been so uh, running back heavy uh, for years, and now it's it, the the landscape has changed. So uh, you might want to uh, think about moving that quarterback up. 
and moving that running back down on your draft board. Robert Griffin III made a lot of people a lot of money, including Matt Bailey, who was the fantasy football world champion. Only only beat uh, – that's the only guy that uh, took you um, to the limit there, Joe. Joe was number two overall in the first year of the FFWC. So did I hear you right? I, basically what I was looking for, Joe, is somebody that was outside of that top five that we talked about, Breeze, Rogers, Brady, Cam, and Peyton. Yeah, I'll give you some – I'll give you some guys I think that have got, you know, significant upside outside of that top eight, which, you know, or so, which, you know, again, we just talked about Ryan and Stafford and Cam and RG and Peyton. Um, who do I like outside of that? Tony Romo, I think, has got an opportunity to put up big numbers. I think Michael Vick's got an opportunity to put up big numbers. Uh, Andrew Luck. Um, who else? It almost feels to me the quarterback position. It almost feels to me Russell no Wilson. Me, I didn't even mention Russell Wilson. Sorry, as go ahead. As long as you don't miss the entire run, I think you're going to be fine. Do you, is it is it the time and day and age that you need to have two to make sure? I mean, I think I think so. Particularly if you're waiting a long time. I mean, if you could, you know, put together a, you know, let's say a, um, you know, one of those guys after the top eight. Let's just say it's Russell Wilson, who I kind of forgot about there for a second. Russell Wilson and Michael Vick, I'm feeling pretty good about that combo going into the season. Wayne Wayne in the chat room, we always got to listen to this. He says 11 starters in the FFWC format devalues the quarterback because, uh, let's face it, are you going to be able to carry two in that format? You're not going to be able to carry three. I think, yeah, I mean, I think you've probably got to carry two, right? I mean, you're thinking you're just going to have one and pick up somebody? You know, it seems like if I have a Drew Brees, I don't carry a backup quarterback until okay. the playoff rush. Until I, in my last week of waivers, I'll grab somebody off the waiver wire just in case. Jeez, I don't uh, know. I think there's probably, you know, uh, I, I can't, I, I can't imagine it. not, you know, holding a backup quarterback who I thought had some upside. Me neither. Me neither. Hmm. I, I, I just um, think that eleven man lineup, man, you're gonna need options through injuries. No, you, de- you definitely are. Oh. You definitely are. And it, you know, it may be it may be available. and it may be that you take a shot early on and get that guy with high upside. If it turns out he's not that guy halfway through the season, then all of a sudden, yeah, you can start playing with that roster spot. But you know, going back to our dynasty league that we play in, Scott, that twelve fifty FFPC, um, you know, there was an amazing number of quarterbacks kept. Um and I think it just shows you that that there's there's a certain amount that have upside and there's a certain amount that can be waiver wire fodder. But uh, if you can get your hands on two of those and ensure that you get quality quarterback play and wait on the quarterback, yep. I think that's the winning strategy. Oh, you know, I kept I kept Stafford. He was the only one on my roster. And then the very last week of waivers, I said I've got one dollar left. I've got a team that can win this thing. Do I back him up with, you know, my backup? Uh, who was the backup? Hill, Sean Hill. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, do I back him up or do I or I let it ride? And I could have drafted. I could have taken Lamar Miller right there. I could have had him for a buck. <laughs> yeah, I ended up hey, with uh, Stafford. Quarterback right now is a special commodity for the next. Uh, I, I would say three, four, five years. Quarterback is a special commodity. You better get him and grab him. Well, you know, I, I I think you can wait, but you know, just because there's so many, but I do think you've got to have uh, you know one, if not two, uh, guys that you think have significant upside in order to win uh, win win big in fantasy. Yep. Hawk and roll in the chat room. Anyone think Rivers will bounce back? Because that's a name that's absolutely disappeared off the face of the earth. Uh, yeah, I think I he's got a shot. Common. 
Well, they have Keenan Allen now, and, and uh, the newly acquired Keenan Allen, who actually had a mirror image of Jerry Rice's college numbers. They also obviously had Denario Alexander and a lot of guys there drafting a, a brand-new tight end to replace Antonio Gates. It'll be interesting to see. I got one last quarterback they, question. They need uh, some weapons, that's for sure. If Rivers is going to bounce back, I think he can, but uh, somebody's got to be a playmaker. One last question for you. Kaepernick or Wilson, which one has the highest bust uh, factor for 2013. Huh. I guess Kaepernick, given uh, given Wilson's new uh, toys. See, I, I think both those guys have like future one and two quarterback written all over them. You know, I mean, it's yeah, but you know, the one thing I will say about both those guys is they can uh, they can go off for 50 and then they can go off for you know 15 any given yeah. Sunday. So. You know, I think that they're. Uh, you know, you gotta you gotta look at the matchups there and feel good about uh, where how they're playing at that moment. Two very and, uh, exciting. Another thing, Joe, is you have to look at their, their ceiling. I mean, they hit a pretty high ceiling uh, this mm-hmm. past year. Uh, well, I think I think and Wilson, and you know, anything less than that, it's going to seem like a quote bust. So, yeah, well, you know, I, and I think they're both really high-risk, high-reward guys, and, and, and if you can you can pick them out at the right times, you know, they're not the steady Eddie, Drew Breeses, and Peyton Mannings of the world, but uh, they can they can beat those guys any given Sunday, that's for sure. And so, you know, in my mind, if I can match up a pair of those guys and uh, give myself a shot in, in a tournament type of setting, that's that's what I like to do a lot of times. Uh, All right, but you know, I'll point out, I'll point out, there's there's more than one way to skin a cat. Uh, you know, last year, like you said, with uh, me coming in second in FFWC, yeah. you know, if we go through that draft, uh, it's not, it was not a dominant draft by any stretch. Um, you know, obviously with only you know 204 entries, it was it was a winnable kind of a tournament, but uh, certainly not a. Uh, you know, if I read the roster to you right now, it wouldn't be a dominating roster in your mind. Yeah. You know, it's all about getting hot at the right time and putting yourself in position to do it, man. And and you know, getting victories and piling up points, it uh, it makes it makes a difference. Now, the last uh, the last question we have on the agenda is obviously the tight end. I think at this point in the game, it's safe to say that the injuries to Gronkowski have lingered so much. I've never heard of so many injuries to an arm before. You know, so let's talk about Jimmy Graham. I think he could be our consensus number one tight end in the in the in the fantasy drafts. Yeah. Does Gronkowski become number two, or do you pass on him and let somebody else deal with that? Well, obviously, things got to sort of shake out there, and infection is always kind of a scary thing. So, in my mind, yeah, he's he's down. You know, in my mind, I'd probably be looking at uh, Aaron Hernandez. Yeah, the air, the 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 obvious uh, replacement in, in the event that Gronkowski is not ready to go, and he has his own issues. Do you see yep. any sleeper tight ends out there? Because, look, there's a lot going on of movement. Uh, Jared Cook to the Rams and Martellus Bennett to the Giants and Brandon Myers. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Martellus Bennett to the Bears and Brandon Myers to the Giants. There's three names right there. Dustin Keller to Miami. That's a lot of movement. Uh, Delaney Walker to the Titans. There's five tight ends that have taken that have moved and have new homes now. Not to mention you've got a, a new kid on the block in Eifert that has potential in Cincinnati. I don't know what you do with Gresham. What? What do you think? Is there any? Is, are there any tight end names out there that seem intriguing to you? Yeah, some of those you mentioned are intriguing. Some, a couple of them were just off my radar. You know, Bennett and uh, um, who's the other one you named? Uh, Bennett and Myers, I think, both have um, some possibility to be sleepers. Broncos selection. Broncos are on the clock. 
Uh-oh, who are we getting? Round three, pick 90, Kayvon Webster from South Florida, cornerback. Uh, get a little uh, little secondary depth there. Um, Fast, 4-4-40. Four, four, champ, champ's getting a little older. Uh, I like it. A little older in the tooth, absolutely. Joey, uh, look, man, this is uh, this has been a good show. You know, you've been trying to deal me Keller forever in Dynasty. Did you finally get rid of that guy on your on your? Yeah, roster? I finally cut him. <laughs> well, good to have you on here, man. You're welcome back anytime. We've got big things. Uh, you've got big things planned for BFD. Uh, it, it should be exciting to watch. You know, we're going to be ardent supporters of uh, what you guys are doing and the coaching tree. You can't. Uh, we can't uh, dismiss the coaching tree. That's one of the best things about. Uh, BFD is preparing for the uh, what what the coaches have in store for the players, which is kind of like the uh, the basic set of rules that uh, you kind of live by. You you have certain constraints, and it's the offensive philosophy that the coaches live by. Talk about that a little bit, and then finally wrap us up with BFD. Sure, um, you know I, I I agree. The coaching tree is definitely a big valuable piece of what we do. Uh, Lou's working on it as we speak. Um, you know, it does analyze the history of each of the coaches, uh, not just the head coaches, but also the assistants, and uh, gives you an idea of what their philosophies are like. Have they had success with, you know, using the tight end in the past? And it does help identify um, significant sleepers. Uh, last year, Keith Miller was one, I think, that got identified that uh, I wrote to some money um, uh, just based on the new uh, offensive coordinator and his uh, previous success with tight ends. And, uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily take a uh, change in player personnel. Sometimes uh, the coaching uh, philosophies can have a significant impact on the end-of-the-year uh, end statistics that you're going to see. Uh, you know, and as far as, uh, you know, BFD, I, I would encourage everybody to uh, uh, take a look at the site and, con and uh, consider subscribing. Um, we also have a, a pretty big Facebook presence. Uh, if you'd like to get on there, that's totally free. If you just like that and, and uh, uh, participate in some of the discussions, we're BFD Fantasy Football on on, um, on Facebook and BFDFantasyFootball.com. Um, you know, the site has not had a lot of work uh, since uh, since the off season, uh, so don't let that scare you. Um, like I said, I've got some significant plans to uh, um, boost the aesthetics and functionality of the site. Um, and uh, build the community to to make it a lot better. But you know, I think the the big uh, the big reason to subscribe to BFD is because of our unique content. Like you just pointed out, the coaching tree, uh, the draft reviews, which I think are are very uh, important for people to see. Not just in ADP, but where did people go yesterday? Um, you know, these things are pretty dynamic. By the time we're in Vegas. Uh, you know, you can look at an ADP a week prior, and that's not going to give you much uh, insight into what's going to happen in your draft in Vegas. And finally, I'll just throw out there that I think the biggest thing we've got going for us is you get advice from winners. Uh, both Lou and I, I think, have uh, pretty proven track records of, of, of winning at fantasy football. And, uh, you know, I see a lot of other sites, and I, I don't want to talk bad about them, but at the same time, I don't see them in my league, and I'm, I'm not playing against them. So, um, you know, I think getting advice from winners is, is, is really key. And, and I saw that value for years when I subscribed to the site with Lou, and uh, I hope others will as well in the future. Well, Joe, you know, uh, what's really key to me is uh, what you're talking about, uh, your site, BFD Fantasy. I love it, and I uh, appreciate you being on the show. And uh, you bring a lot of energy, man. I, lo I love your voice. Uh, you're, you get it done. So uh, we're, we're expecting uh, great things out of your site, uh, yourself, and uh, a lot of things are going to happen. Well, thank you a lot, Mike. I, and I really appreciate you guys' show. I listen often, and um, uh, you know, thanks for what you guys do as well. It'll be uh, looking forward to 2013. 
That's all right, right, Joe. Thanks a lot, man. We'll, we appreciate it. We'll uh, definitely have you on before the start of the season, that's for sure, because uh, BFD has a lot going on in the preseason, and we want to be a part of it. So, Joe Jefferson, our guest. Sounds good, man. Looking forward to it. Thanks a lot, guys. You guys have a good uh, rest of the show. A great night. It's awesome, right, man. Thanks. Joe Jefferson. Crystal clear voice on that guy, man. Have you ever heard anybody just come out in red, red, and blue and just be like coming through the microphone, man? I, you know, wow. Once in a while, I'm just a little blown away by some of the guests that we have on here. And We've got one. Well, uh, last I, I mean, I, I sent you a text. I'm going, man, he sounds great. Uh, uh, no, it, it was great. Uh, a lot of great content, and I uh, hope everybody can uh, catch the podcast because it's going to be awesome. I mean, that the content uh, between you guys was uh Incredible. I mean, that's what makes it good. Barry Sanders ended up on the cover of the new Madden that's coming out, the Madden 25 for 2013, and he announced the Detroit Lions pick recently. He had a career year uh, in one of those years where he rushed for an 82-yard touchdown, had 19-plus 20-yard runs, had 11 40-plus yard runs, and he averaged – how many yards per carry in that year? It's uh, You have to kind of listen to the question. If you were listening, you will uh, be the winner of a Madden copy on either right. PS3 or Xbox 360. We'll, we'll get it out to you as soon as this as the game is released. What, uh, what year was that? It was a very big year for Barry Sanders, and he, he landed on the cover of Madden. We're waiting for the chat room answer. One of these guys will get it in the chat room. We'll have a copy of Madden 2013. Mikey, I appreciate you being on here. I know you're not big into the NFL draft tonight. I know you're watching your baseball. What kind of a round did you shoot tonight? I shot 79. Okay. So I, and I was very pleased. It was it was the first 18-hole round of golf I played since uh, September of last year. Not bad. 79 was a double bogey. I was very pleased. Not bad. Nice, yeah. that, uh, nice that you can shoot that on the first time out. Well, Mike, look, we've got a lot going on in the NFL draft. Uh, we did announce the 24 dynasty spots. We are going to do a video podcast. We're going to do a video podcast for the May Madness giveaway. We really want to. We think that's a very special prize to give away. Oh, you, you're, we're giving away a fantasy football world championship main event entry for some one lucky winner. Every 20 entries into the fantasy football world championship earns you an entry into May Madness, where you have a chance to win a free main event team. We're going to do those drawings live over video cast because we feel it's very important that everybody sees the transparency of the whole ping pong ball process, man. We're going to put 20 ping pong balls uh, in, in a bowl and basically pull one out and somebody's going to win. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be fun to do that. And then the Dynasty World Championship is going to get fired up uh, next week. You'll, you'll know a little bit more about what's going on. There's a lot of action going on on the message boards. It's popping off. We've got the live cover, live chat going on right now over at Toolbox. If you want to hop over there and finish up the draft with us, we'd love to join you there. And uh, look, the Dynasty World Championship's kicking off, and then we've got the main event, the uh, Fantasy Football World Championship. The event details have been posted over at Toolbox. Uh, Take your shot at $150,000 main event prize along with $10,000 league prize. 12-5 12-5 in, in league prizes overall, so it's one of the it is the highest league payout in the industry, and that's the most important thing to do is to win your league. That's the only thing you really have control over. You got to win your league first, Mike, and you know that as well as I do. You have to be able to win that league, and then look, winning ten thousand dollars if you dominate, it's unheard of. And we finally did it. The guys uh, put it together, Ian and Emil and 
uh, Cindy and Garrett, we all kind of, we all just powwowed on this thing for the last several months, long hours, long nights, and we finally got it right, and we're excited to debut it. 418s will be accepted, and it's going to be the best year uh, in the world of high-stakes fans. So we hope everybody t- tries all the contests that are out there. Try and come back because the 11-man lineup is going to be something that you've never, if you've never played it before, you, we think you're going to absolutely love it. But you be the judge. You tell us. You play all the events. You come back. You tell us which one you like the most. We're confident that you're going to enjoy what you have at the FFWC. Mike, thanks for being here, man. I know you've been busy, and uh, we won't see you next week because you're going to be at the Derby in the Oaks, right? So I will be at the Oaks and Derby next week, but I'll be more than happy to join you two weeks from tonight. All right, man. We will see you then in two weeks, and by then uh, the Dynasty Football World Championship will be rolling with drafts. There's a mock going on there, so go check out what the High States guys are doing on the Dynasty Mock Startups right now. It's over on the Toolbox message board. To everybody in the chat room, the crew, you make this uh, you make this all possible. It's it's absolutely fantastic to see you guys back in here, and we're going to uh, we're going to send it out with a little a little Skrillex. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.